It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. On one side, it's great having a big field. And it's great having it be in a small state where you can run a shoestring operation and still have some impact. But on the flip side, you have to ramp and scale up. And the advantage goes to the people who have the large national organizations and have the funding. This is Sarah and Beth. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics, the home of grace-filled political conversations. Hello, everyone. We are back from Iowa and from New Hampshire and in my case, from the flu. Thank you for being so supportive via Instagram. And we're ready to report on the 2% of delegates that got divvied up over the last few weeks. Yeah, it's funny because we spent all this time invested on the ground in these two states with awareness of the circus that concentrates around those two states and also that they're probably going to matter less than they ever have in some senses. It's just a weird in-between place because I don't want to oversell these results or diminish the importance of what it means in terms of donations and earned media and the way that these candidates keep moving forward. As always, both things are true, right? I mean, it is both important for momentum and fundraising and, you know, a small impact. I mean, I think the reason that both things are particularly true is not because there's a massive amounts of delegates that are divvied up in New Hampshire and Iowa, but because there's such a small amount of time between now and Super Tuesday when there are a massive amount of delegates divvied up. Does that seem right to you? I think that's true. And in between, we have Nevada caucuses and the South Carolina primary. 
And both of those will be the first opportunities for a more diverse group of Americans to weigh in on this primary. And so what do those results mean in the lead up to Super Tuesday? I don't know. And honestly, Sarah, the more we've had a a minute, a quick minute, but a minute to process having been to Iowa and New Hampshire, I feel a sense of more questions than answers shaping up in my mind about how this process works, how it works this year differently than it has in the past, and maybe what the future should look like. And I don't have a lot of good answers for that. I see so many benefits to what happens in these early states, as well as so many shortcomings. And the whole thing really has me scratching my head on what is the best way to narrow a field of people to run for president. Well, let's start with what we do have. I honestly expected that we would have a little bit more of a Bernie lead. He won the Iowa caucus, the popular vote, just short of the delegate count. Pete exceeded that by a very, very small amount. But in both the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire primary, Pete was hot on Bernie's tails in a way I did not expect. I thought Bernie would have a bigger lead. Then you have Amy Klobuchar doing better in both places than she expected to do. Fifth in Iowa, third in New Hampshire. Warren doing worse than people expected her to do, and Biden falling to the bottom of the pack and really, really depending on that South Carolina firewall that we keep hearing so much about in an even bigger way. So I think there, you know, there were a, some surprises, I think some clarification, but, you know, not enough to really winnow the field. We do have Andrew Yang has dropped out. Michael Bennett has dropped out. But Deval Patrick suspended his campaign as well. Right. So but we're still, you know, we still have five people we're still talking about all the time. We've gotten some questions about Bernie's lead, kind of a why is this happening from quite a few people. And I think it's important to remember that this is the second cycle in a row that he's run for president, which Mm -hmm. does give you a running start. He has a big organization built, lots of infrastructure, a huge donor database. Right good name recognition. And so he has a running start in some ways. And it's interesting with that running start that a person in the complete opposite position, Pete Buttigieg, has come so close to Bernie's Mm -hmm. vote counts. I think the other thing is that between Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, you have a split in the votes and you have this split in the votes between Klobuchar, Biden, and Buttigieg. And then The numbers for Yang and Steyer and Tulsi Gabbard and sort of the everybody else category were not big, big. but if you combine them, they Mm -hmm. are not insignificant either. And I think that we really are coming to a place where there has got to be a real conversation about where the field goes next, because we're living 2016 on the Republican side all over again. Yeah, that's what I I read a quote, I don't even remember where, for it's so much election analysis. It said Trump would not have been the nominee in 16 had the non-Trumpers consolidated. They never did, and he got the nomination. We are looking at the same scenario. But we're looking at the same scenario, not to go back to my, you know, soapbox, because nobody's looking out for the party. When you take most of the power away from the the party leadership, party elite, smoke-filled room, whatever you want to call it, and you make it this, you know, direct primary, well, then, then who... Who's going to, quote unquote, make Amy Klobuchar and Joe Biden drop out 
and join Pete. Nobody. Nobody can make them do that in the same way nobody can make Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio or any of those people look for what's best and not let this outsider take over the party. I mean, I think that this is a fundamental weakness in a process that's supposed to be for the party to pick a nominee, but has turned into a direct primary. I, I, I just think that's something we need to face with open eyes. Now, we can argue whether in the end it's good or it's bad, but we can't make Amy Klobuchar drop out. We can't make Joe Biden drop out. You know, like there's just no party sort of leadership or process or anything like that to say, okay, well, we can all see the writing on the wall that this is going to end up with somebody who's not a Democrat becoming the nominee. So we have to make some hard choices. You know, there's nobody there to trigger that decision making. And it's even harder this year when you have two people in the contest with money to just burn. Mm -hmm. Tom Steyer and Michael Bloomberg are not going to run out of funding the way Kamala Harris and Cory Booker ran out of funding. I'm not sure Bernie's going to run out of funding. I think that's right. I mean, when he has when he can just print money, I read somewhere that it was like one point five million dollars a day. You know, when he has that some sort of fundraising structure, what's to stop him? Well, and the incentive for him now that he has this delegate lead, I read someone I think it might have been David Axelrod was saying with Obama, like once you have a little bit of a delegate lead because the Democratic primaries are all proportional, Mm-hmm. which has a lot of advantages and is the kind of thing we advocate for a lot when we talk about different forms of systems. But because it's proportional, once you have a little bit of a lead, it's almost hard to lose it. Right. And so especially if Buttigieg and Klobuchar continue to fight it out with each other, Bernie is going to continue to rack up delegates. And he has a very plausible path forward now. I don't want to prognosticate in any way because surely I will be wrong. This is what I'm learning. <laughs> what instinct do I have? This could never happen. Nope. Okay. That well, then probably just will. Prognosticate in the opposite direction of what you want to happen. That's what you should do. That seems to be where it is. But I do want to address two topics that keep coming up. One, from our listeners, we hear quite a bit of, I wish that Amy and Pete would get together. I wish that Amy and Elizabeth Warren would get together. And I've been thinking about that a lot, especially because I had an Uber driver who was convinced that Hillary Clinton would have won the election if she had made Bernie her vice president. Hmm. And here's what's on my mind. I completely understand the appeal of that and feel the pull of it for myself occasionally. But it is related to the second thing that I'm thinking a lot about, which is that many people of color who provide political commentary are really unhappy with the state of this field. And I think it is important to listen to the people in our lives who have different perspectives than we have. And I don't like the idea of a ticket with no diversity, even if it makes it easier to figure out some kind of result in this primary. I do not like the idea of two white people on a ticket again. I don't like the idea of a ticket that doesn't have a woman on it. You know, I just think it's really important that we step back from the frenzy of this primary to say we need to be served by an administration that has some difference in it. I think it's just hard. You know, I had a friend on Facebook say, what policy do these people who like Pete What's your policy when you like Pete that really draws you to him? And there was, of course, the 
the the never Peters who were like, no, he's a neoliberal. He's funded by Russian oligarchs and like just the whole shebang. And I said, you know, the policy that fuels everybody is never Trump. And it's like we can't look past that to the policy of the candidates, much less the impact of the ticket on exactly what you're talking about. Like people are just blind to anything but I want to defeat Trump. That's all I care about. I want to defeat Trump. And, you know, I I do wonder as we look to like what you're talking about, well, let's combine the tickets. I mean, we don't necessarily have to have somebody, one of these candidates as the vice president in order to have a brokered convention in which the delegates that went to many, many different candidates can combine but they have to solidify around somebody is the problem. You know, I think I wonder if what happened with Trump is not just that he built a bigger lead over time, but that they couldn't solidify around one alternative, even at the convention. And I don't know if we have that in us, if there's enough fear of Bernie to say, OK, well, every every single delegate, Lord knows we can't count on Tulsi's, but let's I'm not even she's going to get any. But um Every delegate that went for Warren, Klobuchar, and Pete, can we solidify around one person? I mean, I don't know. I haven't worked the math yet. Maybe that's not even available if he builds up enough and leave over Super Tuesday. But I don't know if we can get past that point, much less to agree on a vice presidential pick that would speak to that sort of diversity and representation you're talking about. I think you're right. What I have decided, which is not much of a decision as we've traveled around, is to the question of who can beat Trump, I think the answer is anyone could beat Trump and no one is assured to. Mm-hmm. I think so many mm-hmm. factors go into this calculus that it is impossible to have that be the rubric by which you're choosing a nominee. You know, not only can we not tell the future, we're bad at that. We're also not particularly good at understanding what it's like to be anybody but ourselves. A listener shared a uh, Jason Kander, who I love. Twitter thread. And he was basically like, you don't you can't put yourself in the shoes of a black voter in Michigan or a female voter in Ohio or wherever. Like, you just don't try. Like, you can't do it. There's no point. We'll probably get it wrong. Just vote for what makes you passionate for which candidate speaks to you. I think that's the best advice. And also, I think it's still a a sure path to having Bernie as a nominee. Because if there's nobody looking, if everybody can, if if the only thing we can realistically ask a voter to do is represent themselves, I think that's, you know, the only real way for someone to vote. Then that means that no one is watching the house. You know what I mean? Like nobody's looking out for the whole because that's too big of a a task to ask. And look, it's not a it's not a successful task always when we had the smoke filled room. Right. That was always the problem is the people in the room and the people at the top are limited by their own perceptions as well. But at least they're looking out for the party. I just worry so much that, no, I don't you know, I don't want to happen. I think what struck me as we traveled and as I see people more and more and as we sat in the Bernie rally is that there was a lot of he's the only one that can fix it. And that, to me, sounds a lot like a Trump rally, and it sounds like a lot like a Trump supporters. And this idea that we won't support anybody but him feels like we're being held hostage in much the same way. I don't want for the Democratic Party what happened to the Republican Party, even though I believe Bernie Sanders to be infinitely better than Donald Trump. Let me be clear about that. If Bernie Sanders is a candidate, I will vote for him. And I don't think that he holds near the risk or danger, even in the same universe as Donald Trump. And I still don't think it's a healthy place to be 
where only one person is the solution. Only one person holds the key. If it's not him, forget it. I don't want to be a part of the process. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second-chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are going to last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love, though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors, and I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick-dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick-dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish-gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsuit for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Well, let's hear a little bit from that Bernie rally we attended and then maybe chat about it a little more. Brothers and sisters, this turnout tells me why we're going to win here in New Hampshire. 
why we're going to win the Democratic nomination and why we are going to defeat the most dangerous president in the modern history of America, Donald Trump. And we are going to win this election because we have an unprecedented, multi-generational, multi-racial, grassroots movement of millions of people. And the reason that we are going to win is the American people, no matter what their political views may be, are sick and tired of a president who is a pathological liar, who is running a corrupt administration, who is a bully and a vindictive person, who is a racist, a sexist, a xenophobe, a homophobe, and a religious bigot. And those are his nice qualities. But whatever one's political view may be, the American people understand that that is not the kind of human being who should be in the White House. And we intend to make him a one-term president. I agree with you, Sarah, that I thought the spirit of the room at the Bernie rally had a real almost religiosity to it. And I loved some of that. You know, we heard Dr. Cornell West talking about how we don't mm-hmm. hate people, we hate injustice, specifically talking about Donald Trump. We heard Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talking about a politics of love where we care for our neighbors and for the least of these, all things that I completely agree with and really appreciate. What was so discordant for me is that the run-up to Bernie coming on stage was a conversation about centering people who have been marginalized. And then this entire event is a pep rally for someone who has not been marginalized. And I struggle. I'm comfortable with the fact that there's going to be a Democratic nominee for whom I am going to vote who does not align with me on my view of what the federal government ought to be. I've gotten right with that for this particular election. What keeps me from being able to buy what Bernie is selling is him him being the candidate selling it. I don't understand, given his age, and yes, the fact that he is a white guy who talks a lot about the experiences of other people. I don't understand why he hasn't thrown that organization behind someone who is more representative of the people he is purporting to fight for. Well, I mean, he would be our first Jewish president. I don't want to neglect that he does represent that a is population true. Thank you for that. that has yeah. never seen somebody in the White House. But, you know, I, I, I think that... It's really interesting because as I think back over the Bernie rally and the, the the lack there, the truth is the Biden rally was showing the limits of um, that sort of Democratic Party-centered thinking. I mean, I felt like everybody, particularly introducing Joe Biden that night, 
was paying for political favors, right? They were there because Joe Biden had been for them when they were running. And that's important. I want that. I want that sort of party building. I want a candidate that's concerned for other Democrats and down ballot races. But it didn't feel like the future. It felt like the past. And it was a small crowd. And I mean, I just, we need in between, right? We need somebody who doesn't represent only other Democrats that doesn't seem to lean only on past political favors and elected officials and also somebody that doesn't want to, you know, burn it down and only care about their own candidacy. I think that truly Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg represents that. I think any of those three are a good compromise between the two. But you can hear even the anxiety that people have about about finding the right compromise. You heard it even at the Biden rally. We'll share a, a little piece of that now. No other candidate can bring his decades of experience to this fight. No other candidate can face Donald Trump and say, I know what it takes to lead this country and you are failing us. <laughs> and the resilience and the experience to lead. And he is the president we need now. Well, guess who else is in Manchester tonight? (laughs) Donald Trump. What a coincidence. (laughs) What a coincidence. I have to tell you, uh, sometimes it feels like he's following me around. He seems, he seems very interested in who the nominee of the Democratic Party will be. I wonder why he's so interested. Why so interested? You know, I'm not sure. I guess, I guess I've, I've been the object of his affection for so long. Now. Well, I don't care how many times he comes to New Hampshire, he's not going to win New Hampshire in November. I definitely felt that the energy at the Biden rally was coming from Dr. Jill Biden. Mm-hmm. So I have that same question. If this is the person who really wants to be in the White House, why is she not the candidate instead of him? I just I'm confused by both of those campaigns and their approaches right now. Sometimes I worry that what's happening around Joe Biden is a victory for Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump and all of the forces that have been trying to smear his family name very regrettably. Yeah, because I do think Joe Biden is a good human being and has served his country admirably and his family has as well over a long period of time. Are there issues about board service? Sure. But for the most part, I I have a lot of confidence in who Joe Biden is as a person. I also, though, having seen him in person now, just think that maybe he's not fully engaged about this. You know, the energy is so low. The focus is so thin, it seems to me. I get why people go to his event and then have the opportunity to go to another event and decide, you know, this person seems a lot more likely to be energized in the way someone needs to be energized to run in the general election and to ultimately serve as the president. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not comfortable predicting much, but I don't think that South Carolina firewall is going to hold. So we'll just have to see. I mean, I don't think that we are the only ones who feel confused, who feel (laughs) like we're looking across this field and see a lot of things happening. We had the opportunity to talk to Sherry, a New Hampshire voter who has been dedicated to going to every campaign, seeing every candidate speak, including Donald Trump. She went to a Donald Trump rally, and we had the best conversation with her that we're going to share after the break. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15.
share with you now a discussion we had with Sherry and her husband and Tom, the owner of River Run Bookstore in New Hampshire. And then we'll come back for a few final thoughts. And so with electability forefront on people's minds, now that you've seen them all, you don't have to pick one. Who do yeah. you think is the best suited to beat Trump? Because I know, think there's more than one. I don't think there's I just agree. one answer to that question. I, I think comprehensively the field is very deep. I think anyone in it could actually take on Donald Trump and win. Um, That's great to hear after you've seen them all in person. Yeah, and, really and especially happy. after seeing them in person. It's very different seeing a candidate in person and speaking to them directly than it is seeing the sound bites right. and the prepackaged, um, scripted mm-hmm. appearance that you see at a rally or at something like uh, something else like that. You know what's interesting is we heard the reverse is also true, which is a volunteer from the Warren campaign was telling us it's interesting to talk to voters and see how they pick up the headlines mm-hmm. and how that becomes the narrative. Yes. It's like there's, you know, there's that that headline is not revealing the depth of the candidates and it's also almost masking the depth to the actual voter. Right. And I get very frustrated. I mean, I was listening to the podcast from Friday, and I agree with you guys. I get very frustrated with hearing the electability issue, Mm -hmm. with people harping on electability. Seriously, whoever gets the votes is electable. Right. And I think that's incumbent upon us to get out and to to do the work to make sure that we have people going to the polls and and voting. So, Will the results of the New Hampshire primary change your perspective on that at all? No. No, because you've no. seen them. Um, and it won't because I think I think the problem is our electoral cycle is so long mm-hmm. and it is so drawn out. And we are looking at these early states to help winnow the field. And I think there's a, there's a problem. To me, it's like that yin and yang issue. You've got on one side, it's great having a big field. And it's great having it be in a small state where you can run a shoestring um, operation and still have some impact. But on the flip side... You have to ramp and scale up, and the advantage goes to the people who have the large national organizations and have the funding right. to do that. So that's the, the, the push and pull I have mm-hmm. um, when I'm looking at this. It's it's retail politics versus uh, wholesale um, politics that are for for a national media base. And, and and trying to mesh those two, I think the retail really has value. That's where the candidates get direct feedback and where they are able to incorporate what they're hearing directly from voters. So I, I hope we don't lose that. I hope we don't make the jump to a fully nationalized um, process anytime soon. It's it's hard. It's really, yeah. really hard. It, and it's exhausting. Yeah. It is exhausting. My experience, and that's much more limited than yours, of seeing these candidates up close is that it's increasing the information that I have, which therefore changes my decision-making process. Mm-hmm. But it's also decreasing the intensity that I feel about that decision because I think I see mm-hmm. there are real strengths yeah. for everyone in the field. Yeah. I wonder if that's been your experience as well because that to me is a huge advantage of retail politics yeah. that if the voters are in a place of, okay, I've decided I really like this person, but also I see the advantages to these other people, then maybe we have a, a primary that is less let's kill each other in advance of the general yeah. and and more poised to actually support the eventual nominee. Yeah. What was the Trump rally like for you? It was incredibly loud. Um, I looked at it, and it was more like being at a World Wrestling Mm. Federation event. It was staged. Um, Everything was very scripted and very programmed to evoke a response. 
Yeah. It's all it's emotions. Showbiz. Yeah. It's all showbiz and emotion. It is not. And you really don't have a chance to. It's not like he's taking. Him. Yeah. No, he's, and no, he's no. not taking questions from the crowd. Oh, gosh, no, 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 there's no, there's no. And that's why I think it's important. Like when we're at a town hall format, you get to see the interaction of the candidates with individual voters. And yeah. I think that's really, really telling for how they handle themselves under pressure, mm -hmm. what they what they do in response to the people who are posing questions, who is more evasive than others, who answers directly, um, who has controlled narratives around their, uh, what type of questions are they looking at just, you know, I'm having a town hall, but I'm only gonna take questions on this topic. Or, right. Um, so it's really interesting to see how the, the campaigns work their different angles in order to to help put their candidate in the best light and you get some really wild card moments where people come up and are completely off script and um, you know get a chance to talk to a candidate directly and what's really interesting is then to see how the candidates sometimes take the questions that they get and how it reshapes how they're focusing their their views yeah so it's kind of like you know I, as an english teacher i look at it and i think it's helping candidates polish their campaign speeches and get to their final draft of their of their. I love those moments where Elizabeth Warren and Andrew Yang were like, you worked on me, Iowa. I loved how you've worked on me. And like, yeah. we're really talking about the weight that give and take. I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you to Sherry and her husband and Tom and the listeners who met up with us in New Hampshire and everyone over the past few weeks of travel that have been just instrumental to our success and to our learning and to just having a fantastic time seeing our democracy in action. There is a lot going on in the world in addition to this primary. We have a troop clash in Syria that is very frightening. We have a situation at the Department of Justice that illustrates a serious imbalance in our balance of powers. And we're going to talk about all of that, the coronavirus, and who knows what else unfolds over the weekend when we're back with you on Tuesday. Thank you so much for your patience. We still are really loving hearing your best case for the candidates that you're excited about. And if you are now into your second or third choices, we're excited to hear those thought processes too. I know personally, this is not what we do, but it would personally help me if everyone could just release who they would nominate to be the vice president, who they'd put in their cabinets. I would I would find that helpful. So if there are things that you think this would be helpful to my analysis, let us know that. And we will look forward to hearing from you and being back with you on Tuesday. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces Pantsuit Politics every week. Thanks for making us sound better, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our managing director, which means we could not make it without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you, Elise. We couldn't make Pantsuit Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help us make the show. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Our executive producers are Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, David McWilliams, Joshua Allen, Linda Rucker, Martha Bernatsky, Melanie Cravey, and Tiffany Hassler. Our theme music is composed and performed by Dante Lima. The music under our ads is composed and performed by Dylan Garvin. Learn more about our lives, live events that we're involved in, and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And connect with members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.